Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Wednesday morning. Hope you're having a great day so far. You are listening to, as you just heard, EWTN. And we're excited always, every day, to bring you great Catholic programming, keeping you connected. Hence the name of the program. Really cool feast day today. San Pietro Damiani, or St. Peter Damian, a Benedictine monk, Bishop of Ostia, Italy, which is near Rome. He was a cardinal and a doctor of the church, born in the year... 1007 in beautiful Ravenna, Italy. And if you've never been to Ravenna, it's worth a visit because they're known for their mosaics. Anyhow, he is famous for reforming the church in its day. He passed away in 1072. His relics were moved six times, and they finally chose a resting place in the chapel of St. Peter Damien in the Cathedral of Faenza in the northeastern region of Emilia Romano, Italia. And he is a patron of that town, and his feast day is today. St. Peter Damien, pray for us. Coming up on the program this morning, we are going to have a lot of great information for moms and dads and anyone, which really is all of us, concerned about smartphones and their impact on young people especially. We're going to be joined right after the news by Maureen Ferguson. She's Senior Fellow at Catholic Association and just penned a great article regarding the many, many problems associated with smartphones and kids, online threats such as cyber Bullicide, suicide brought on by cyberbullying, social media-fueled eating disorders, online sextortion, or being tricked into sending compromising photos to predators. All of these things on the rise for kids. More and more parents then, she says, are asking the same question. When or should I even let my child have access to a smartphone because of all the dangers that come with it? So she's talking about this in her recent op-ed regarding big tech, and she says, you know what, the CEOs, despite their claims in Congress and their apologies, they know exactly what they're doing, and she claims they simply do not care. And she has some great ideas on how to protect your children based on what she's doing in her own home. So looking forward to that. Maureen Ferguson, Senior Fellow, Catholic Association. I'm sure it will be a very informative segment or two with her, and then we'll wrap up on Wednesday, as we always do with our very own Joni, as in Joan Lewis, of course, Jones Rome, with the latest news from the Vatican. Let's take a look at the weather. Poor California is still getting hit pretty hard. We have a storm off the Pacific Northwest Coast, continuing low elevation rain and thunderstorms, mountain snow, and gusty winds over much of the West Coast and parts of the Intermountain West into today, local time, before tapering off this evening. And then we have the opposite problem, dry, gusty winds likely bringing critical fire weather condition to parts of New Mexico, southeast Colorado, and west Texas. So that is our national forecast for today on a Wednesday. We do appreciate you tuning in. We have a lot of news to get through. Never a dull moment. It's always a lot going on. Let's get started. Three minutes past the hour on Catholic Connection on a Wednesday, February 21st. Catholic News Agency reporting several pro-life scholars pushing back on a recently published study that claims abortion pills are safe and effective when prescribed without an in-person meeting and distributed through the mail. CNA telling us that the reference study, which was published by pro-abortion academics in the peer-reviewed medical journal Nature Medicine, pro-life scholars questioning the veracity, though, of those findings, noting that it relies on self-reported survey results rather than actual concrete data, and fails to account for the results for approximately a quarter of the women surveyed. In a statement to the Catholic News Agency, Dr. Ingrid Scope, the Director of Medical Affairs at the Charlotte Lozier Institute and a board-certified OBGYN, questioning the researcher's definition of a serious adverse event. For example, she says she's treated women who, after receiving a chemical abortion, have required emergency surgery to remove the child's tissue or placenta, Others have bled heavily for six to eight weeks, and still others have contracted an infection that required medical care and an infection that could lead to future infertility. According to these authors, she says, my patient's experiences would not qualify as a serious adverse event. She adds that it's extraordinary to see these serious complications dismissed and considered not worthy of discussion when she says she knows that these women certainly felt otherwise. Catholic Vote is now reporting the organization Gays and Lesbians Living in a Transgender Society on Tuesday announced they would hold a press conference today requesting an explanation from St. Pat's Cathedral 
for what they described as cutting short the funeral for a man who identified as a woman who called himself Cecilia Gentili. In a press release sent via email, the organization said that its press conference would be held at noon today at City Hall Park, and they would demand a public apology for what they described a painfully dismissive and exclusionary, exclusionary language that the cathedral used in a statement after the scandalous incident. During the service, those taking part, many of whom were flamboyantly dressed, repeatedly interrupted the priest and broke into loud chants. One reveler took to the podium to pray for access to gender-affirming health care, or so-called gender-affirming health care. The group also claims the initial plan for the funeral service included a mass, but the cathedral changed the plan during the event. Father Gerald Murray, a canon lawyer, pastor of New York in New York, and a regular, of course, on EW Tanza World Over with Raymond Arroyo, explaining to Catholic Vote that the decision to switch from a mass to a funeral service was a pastoral decision to avoid further scandal. It was well justified, he said, by the offensive content of the words spoken by lectors. And Cardinal Timothy Dolan on Tuesday defending the administrators of the cathedral for their quick thinking in handling the unexpectedly disorderly funeral service last week. He especially singled out the priests who decided at the last moment to refuse to say Mass for the wild pro-LGBTQ crowd. In other news this morning, the U.S. is vetoing a resolution at the U.N. calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield saying the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations to free hostages held by Hamas. The deal being negotiated by the U.S., Israel, Egypt, and Qatar would also pause fighting in the Gaza Strip for at least six weeks and allow humanitarian aid to enter that area. This, as the Biden administration is facing increasing pressure from Democrats regarding Israel's handling of the situation in Gaza. Nearly all of coastal California, as meteorologist Angie Lastman tells us, is still under a flood watch through this morning. We're going to eventually, as the day goes on, see that rain for Southern California, even Central California, taper off. We will still see some of these scattered showers across portions of the northwestern United States, but that system will kick out to the Rockies, and that's where we'll see some additional snow through the day today. This comes a day after a huge storm dumped massive amounts of rain across Southern California, including four inches in Los Angeles, the largest one-day total, total in some 20 years. The system will start to head east over the coming days, bringing rain to the Four Corners region today. Sarah Bartlett tells us the U.S. Supreme Court is not getting involved in the admissions at a Virginia school. The Supreme Court declined to hear a case related to the role of race in school admissions at the Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Alexandria. The nation's highest court refused to review whether a new admissions policy discriminates against Asian Americans. This comes months after the court ruled against affirmative action when it comes to college admissions. The school is one of the country's top-ranked high schools and does not consider standardized test scores to encourage diversity. Justices Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas publicly dissented. The Florida Senate expected to take up a social media ban for children today. The measure would prohibit anyone under the age of 16 from creating an account and require platforms to delete existing profiles run by minors. It was revamped by lawmakers last week to specify which platforms are being targeted. And state lawmakers in Maryland, meanwhile, considering legislation that would restrict children from accessing online pornography. Eleanor Kennelly with the National Center on Sexual Exploitation says the lack of regulation in the tech industry leaves children vulnerable. All they want is to keep you engaged, engaged, engaged. And obscenity keeps people engaged. But the neurological evidence is clear. It harms the development of the young mind. The Maryland Online Child Protection Act would require safety settings that would automatically block obscene content on tablets, phones, and gaming devices marketed to minors. Supporters of the measure testified in Annapolis, telling lawmakers children are vulnerable to the lack of regulation in the tech industry. Adults over the age of 18 could disable the safety filters with mandatory age verification. A United Airlines flight diverted to Denver International Airport on Monday due to an issue with the plane's wing. Passengers on the flight from San Francisco to Boston say the plane began shaking and the pilot announced the plane's wing had minor damage. The flight safely landed in Denver and the FAA is now investigating that incident. Trey Thomas tells us Atlanta officials say they're trying to deal with the homeless problem at the country's busiest airport. 
The city council approved a plan to restrict access to Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, but Councilman Byer Namus stresses it doesn't apply to everyone. No, you're not banned. Come on down, pick up grandma, pick her, you know, put her back on the flight. Everyone is welcome that is, you know, transacting business at the airport. The move comes after growing complaints of homeless people in the terminals. Rules restricting access from late at night through the early morning hours could be extended 24-7 if the plan moves forward. U.S. household debt is over $17 trillion, that according to the Federal Reserve. And with that being said, credit card users, according to the experts, may want to shop around to find better rates. But those retail credit cards from any particular retail location, those tend to be higher, upwards of 30%. That's Ryan Stewart with Iowa State University's Extension Office. He's a financial counselor, and he says with household debt rising amid inflation and higher interest rates, credit card rates have shot up as well. He says bank cards may offer lower interest rates. Natalie Rodriguez tells us that students and parents are having a tough go with the free application for federal student aid. Jack Wallace is Director of Governmental Relations at Why Verify. As of last week, only 5 million out of 18 million people expected to file for the FAFSA have filed, which is not a good thing. And what's more disturbing is only about 50% of the high school class of 2024 has filed for that. He says while the government made the application process for FAFSA simpler, they actually delayed it, causing problems. Usually the process begins in October, getting the data to schools in January, but they open the process after New Year's. Now schools won't get data until March. This applies to receiving financial aid to help pay for college between July 1st of this year and June 30th of next. Fort Worth-based American Airlines is raising the fees for checking a bag. They're raising it by $5. A first bag for domestic flights will now cost $35 if the flight is booked online or $40 if you do this at the airport. So this definitely can impact not only just the average consumer wallet, but it really hits home for families that are traveling with multiple bags. That was Going.com travel expert and spokesperson Katie Nastro. The airline says a cost of fuel is a big factor behind the increase. Finally, in our news segment at just about 13 minutes past hour on a Wednesday morning, February 21st, a dead satellite the size of a city bus is now returning to Earth. It's one of the European Space Agency's advanced observation satellites. Now, most of the satellite is set to, they say, burn up on re-entry this morning. However, they also say there's no clear prediction on where any remaining debris might land. It is a Wednesday. We so appreciate your listenership. Don't forget to check out all of our great resources, EWTN.com. And, of course, this program is co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio, AveMariaRadio.net. And just a reminder that visit EWTN's site, which is dedicated to our foundress, EWTN.com, of course, Mother Angelica, where you can celebrate her amazing and remarkable life. You'll find photos, milestone, heartfelt stories, and her wit and words that have inspired the hearts of all ages throughout the years. And this is an incredible resource. You need a shot in the arm? Check out this segment of the EWTN website. It is awesome. EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. A big amen to that. It is a Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. We will be right back talking with Maureen Ferguson, Senior Fellow of the Catholic Association. Stay tuned. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Welcome to our Advanced Dentistry Center family. This is Dr. Metti and our team strives to treat you like family in a loving and compassionate way as we focus on serving you in a Christ-like manner. We do this by emphasizing prevention and general well-being for a lifetime. Our private practice is small, personal, state-of-the-art, and innovative with the goal to educate and motivate our patients in improving their oral health. It is through a partnership with you that you will achieve the goals for your smile. Advanced Dentistry is serious about the level of care we provide with attention to details and an exceptional level of care, skill, and judgment. We are thrilled for the opportunity to serve you. Dr. Matthew and the team invite you to visit them at AdvancedDentistryCenter.com. 
or call them at 248-594-9592. That's 248-594-9592. AdvancedDentistryCenter.com. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. If you're a parent or anyone who's concerned about children and the impact on media and more specifically of social media, phone use, all that, well, you're going to be appreciating the, not only the interview that we're doing this morning, I hope, but also the article that Maureen Ferguson wrote, her op-ed, and we'll, we will put it there on our archive section at AveMariaRadio.net under the Catholic Connection archives. So, Maureen, I read your piece, excellent, and I was telling you during the break, my very first book, Noise, which came out in 2007, I revamped it in 2012, and even since 2012 in the last 12 years, you can't keep up with the advances and what's available, and not in a good way, out there for children and for everybody to have easy access to. So, tell us why you decided to pen this op-ed. So, this is a topic I've been wanting to write on for a long time, because I think I think it's really the most important question facing parents today because so many of the other things we worry about for our kids fall under this umbrella. So the question that vexes most parents today and the question I wrote this article on for Newsweek is, do I give my child a smartphone? Do I give my child access to social media? At what age is that appropriate? So I wrote this piece for Newsweek. You can find it online. It's called Parents. Here's how we can protect kids from the dangers of smartphones. And what prompted me to write this is recently the Senate um, Judiciary Committee held a four-hour hearing with the heads of all the social media companies, the head of, you know, Meta, Instagram, um, TikTok, uh you know, formerly known as Twitter, Mm -hmm. Discord, if you've ever heard of that. Mm -hmm. Never, ever, ever let your kid on Discord. Um, But the Judiciary Committee called all the CEOs of big tech in front of them. And I watched as all of them held up their right hand and swore that social media is safe for our kids. Mm -hmm. Now, we all know this is not true. There were statements that the CEO made during the hearing that just elicited laughter, like outright incredulity and laughter from both senators and the audience. And the audience, by the way, was filled with parents whose children have suffered tremendously. Many of them even have died as a result of their online activities, whether through um, cyberbullying, there's a new term called cyberbullicide. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kids who commit suicide after being bullied. And, and I mean, it's like hard to imagine how bad this bullying is on an adolescent brain. Um, kids who've been um, victims of predators online. Kids who, th- this is a new thing it's called sextortion. Again, right. these are new terms that parents need to be aware of. Um, kids are tricked into sending photos of themselves compromising photos of themselves that they never should be sending, but they get tricked. They think they have a new boyfriend or girlfriend online, someone their age. They get tricked into doing this, and those images end up being child pornography that is circulated online. And there are literally Nigerian um, rings that are extorting kids. And they trick them into not telling their parents. So, so the audience at this hearing was full of parents holding up pictures of their children who had died, whether through, you know, exposure to eating disorder material, you know, the promotion, the glamorization of eating disorders online, drunk driving, um, self-harm, all these, I mean, it, it's beyond 
obvious now to everybody who's paying attention that social media and smartphones are toxic for our children. Now, you're, you're saying in this piece, and, and by the way, we'll post this again for folks who are just tuning in. We're having a very, very important conversation with Maureen Ferguson and her op-ed, which was posted on February 15th and updated on the 16th of February. Parents, here's how we can protect kids from the dangers of smartphones. An opinion piece we penned for Newsweek. We'll put a link to it. And you're saying that, you know what, the, the, despite what they said, and they're also claiming, oh, they're safe, and we're sorry if we hurt anybody. We really didn't mean that. We feel it's safe. You're saying you're not buying it and we shouldn't either and that they know exactly what they do, they're doing. So here's what I'm saying in my piece. There is, you know, every few months in Washington, there's a big hearing with big tech. And the politicians say they're going to do something about it. And the big tech CEOs say that they're going to do something about it. They say that they're going to have better parental controls. Right. Well, this is my message to parents. Parents, you are the parental control. Right. You don't have to give this stuff to your kids. The, developmentally, they cannot handle it. These products are designed to manipulate your children, to hook your children. We know how hard it is for us to not be addicted to our smartphones and social media apps. But a developing adolescent brain, it's utterly toxic, utterly and completely toxic for kids. So the U.S. Surgeon General now, President Biden, Surgeon General, this is not a left-right issue. This is not a conservative Catholic mom Mm -hmm. concern. Mm -hmm. This is parents on the left, parents on the right. Everybody is concerned. And the Biden administration, Surgeon General, is saying this is a mental health crisis Mm -hmm. for an entire generation of children. And what I argue in this, um, op-ed in Newsweek, and what the Surgeon General is saying is that this is the way for parents to say no. Get together with your kids' friend group's parents, so the parents of your kids' friends. Get together and collude with them, essentially. Enter into a conspiracy for the good. I just did this. I have a 13-year-old, and I just did this with the parents in her class. Me and the moms all got together for coffee, and we said, hey, our girls are turning 13. These are very delicate years for our girls. How can we make this easier on all of us? Let's all together say, no smartphones, no social media. I'll give you a dumb phone. There's a dab wireless or a pinwheel or the Bark phone. There are alternative products where kids can phone and text, but they can't scroll the Internet or go down dangerous rabbit holes or be approached by predators on, you know, what is referred to as a dumb phone as opposed to a smartphone. Right. So, so what we did is we got together for coffee with all the moms, and we said, let's stick together. So our kid is not the only one without a phone because a major reason that parents give in peer pressure. Yeah, yeah, and they don't want their kid to be left out. They don't want their kid to be sort of the weird, isolated kid that is the only one without a phone. Well, guess what? I've already raised four teenagers, and I'm just starting again with our fifth. With my four teenagers, this is what we did. None of them had social media or smartphones. What we said is, you have your college applications in senior year. So then that gave us about a half a year while they were still under our roof to train them, to train them in how to handle uh, a smartphone, how to have appropriate controls, how to stay away from the dangerous stuff. Um, It gave us time to train them before they left for college, but it allowed them to go through those key adolescent years of development screen, you know, essentially screen-free except for homework. And what what we have to do as parents, if we're going to take this bold step, which I'm telling you, it worked for our four. Like two of my daughters were elected senior class president without smartphones or social media. So, so, so in other words, Marie, they, they survived. They didn't die of anything <laughs> tragic okay. because they didn't have a smartphone, guess right? What? Guess what? They didn't just survive. They thrived. They thrived, because right. Because we were very intentional about building an in-person social life. So we made a point of making our house the party house. 
The kids had friends over all the time. They hung out in our basement. We invested in a ping pong table and we put a little fire pit outside in the backyard. So the kids hung out in person. They weren't just all heads down, isolated on the phones. That's the great irony is that people join social media. Kids want to be on social media because they want to be part of the group, but it actually ends up making them more isolated. They spend more time alone with their screen as opposed to if you help them develop a real in-person social life, like have them, I mean, one of my sons, he and his friends all the time, they went out on hikes. Like, it, it was a great social environment. Well, you're speaking uh, of hikes, that's another teenagers. problem associated with too much media use because the kids aren't getting out and getting exercise and getting exposed to the air and to the sun. So it's not healthy physically as well as mentally and everything else that goes along with it. Maureen, let's continue the conversation. We have to take a quick break. 25 minutes past hour. Maureen Ferguson, Senior Fellow for the Catholic Association, how she handles social media and phones in her own family. Great advice. We'll be right back. Eight minutes past the hour. Appreciate the expertise from, of course, Maureen Ferguson, our guest. She wrote a great piece posted on Newsweek, and we'll give you the link to that on the archive section of Catholic Connection. Parents, here's how we can protect kids from the dangers of smartphones. Opinion piece, very good. Now, I think it's fascinating that you were able to get half of the moms of the kids in your, your teenager's class, your, your daughter who was turning 13, to come meet with you and to sit down and say, look, let's do this together. And, and I t- truly think that's a brilliant idea because I think there's probably a lot of parents who also would hope that other parents would do the same thing, but there's safety in numbers and and they need encouragement. And it's still amazing, though, as we were chatting, Maureen, during the break, and and you and I do a lot of research on this area, and I write and speak about it all the time, I'm stunned that more parents don't stop the cell phone usage or don't look at this more seriously in terms of when do I give my child a cell phone and automatically get them a phone for Christmas or, or whatever when they're far too young. And if you look at the research, and you know this, if you look at, for example, groups from Parents TV, uh, Television Council, they will tell you that despite some of the efforts that you have out there that are available to block certain things, that a lot of parents aren't using these tools that are available. So what can we do to convince other parents to do what your group did? What do you think? Um, Okay, so I'll get to that. But first of all, on your point about the parental control, don't really work because kids are smarter than us. On yeah, they can work around no it. Way exactly. around it. Right. The other thing is, who has time to manage it all? Because every different app has a different parental control. I mean, it's like a full-time job, even if you have one kid to manage their online activities, let alone if you have multiple kids. So one of my points to parents is that it's actually easier to say no than to manage the fallout. It's easier to keep the genie in the bottle than it is to try to manage this wild genie once the genie's out of the bottle. And then you have to deal with all the fallout when they're exposed to all the right. harmful content. It's much easier to raise a happier kid who has a healthy, wholesome, in-person social life rather than a kid that's constantly getting sucked down all these rabbit holes. Right. And so the way that we did it is, I got together with one or two like-minded parents, and we emailed all the moms in my daughter's class, and we said, hey, our girls are turning 13. We're entering the teenage years. How can we make this easier on all of us? How can we collaborate as moms? And I would recommend doing this much younger, actually. I would recommend doing it before, well before your your child is hitting 13. Um, but so I said, let's get together and see how we can collaborate. And then we just went through the evidence that the Surgeon General has presented and the Wall Street Journal has had um, just like, I feel like at least once a, once a month, they have an expose of the toxic content that is being fed to your kids on TikTok or on Instagram, um, how the algorithms are feeding up this super duper harmful content to our teenagers. So, so we kind of went through why it's so bad and we said, hey, all say no if we all put it off like at least until they're 16 or later then our kids can all hang out in person without being sucked in and addicted to all these apps so so that's the way we did it and i'll tell you every mom that came to the meeting about half of the moms in the class came to the meeting and every mom who came to the meeting said yeah let's do this let's hang together let's say no to our kids 
We're going to give them the alternate kind of dumb phone so that they can text and call each other, but not slow the Internet. Yeah. And if, if, if any parent out there, like, doubting how harmful this is for their kids, um, there's a new video out. It's called The War on Children. You can mm-hmm. Google that. And yep. it, it's sort of an in-depth, um, you know, you can watch a movie like The, the Social Dilemma with your kid because it, these are former tech CEOs and, and um, employees that explain how these apps are manipulating kids, how the algorithms manipulate kids. And you know what? Kids don't want to be a fool. They don't want to be used and manipulated. So the more that you help them to understand how these apps are manipulating them, the more they're equipped. Because eventually, we do have to educate our kids. Because as they get older, they're going to have to make these choices for themselves. So there are a lot of ways to help them and to introduce technology slowly as they get, you know, their brains are more developed, as they have a little bit more self-mastery. Um, as they're older and heading off to college. And like one, I'll give you two examples of what we did in our house with our older teenagers once we did allow some of these these apps or technologies. Um, we have in our kitchen, we call it a freedom basket. Yeah, I saw that. I love that in the article. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, so yeah. When, when we come in the house, we try to leave our phones in the freedom basket rather than all, always having them attached to us. Like smartphones are not allowed in my kids' bedrooms. And we plug them in in the freedom basket overnight to charge. The phones stay down in the kitchen. They're not allowed in the kids' bedrooms overnight. You know, you can get an alarm clock on Amazon for $12. You don't need your phone to be your alarm clock. So we all try to keep our phones in the freedom basket. It's there if you want to go check the weather or check your email or whatever. It's there, but it's in a public place. The other thing is if you have one common family password across all of your family devices, it kind of removes the entitled mentality that kids have nowadays that this is my personal device and it's totally my domain, my private domain. So having it be a more public device, a family device, like, okay, now we have a family smartphone that I'm going to allow you to use. Here's the family password. Anyone has access. It really just prevents a lot of temptation, removes the near occasion of sin, you might say, if everybody knows the same password. And it's not to be, you know, sort of nosy or reading, you know, every exchange your kids have with their friends. But it just helps to elevate the online activity and prevent kids from going down dangerous rabbit holes. Yeah, but the thing is, and and you know this as a mom, but I wrote a book about my mom, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, 10 Things My Feisty Italian American Mother Taught Me About Living a Godly Life. And she she would tell me very bluntly, I'd say, well, this is my room. Yeah, who's paying for the room? Who's letting you live here? (laughs) It's like, I am your parent. You are under my roof. And you may say this is, you know, and my mom, I remember she said to me once, and after I was married, she she was butting in about something. I said, Ma, I'm married. I will always be your mother till the day I die. And then when I die, I'm going to come back and haunt you. In other words i'm always going to be interested and i'm always going to be your mom this attitude that these kids had this is my territory this is my, i'm sorry you are under your roof as a parent and so what you're doing is so catholic which is so great because you're taking the responsibility which a catechism says you're supposed to do but then you're also doing this at a very local level which is also very catholic yeah, exactly. Subsidiarity there. Yep. But, um, Bingo. And, and, and you know, b- before we sign off, I'm just going to tell you one story from the hearing. Okay, quickly. There's, we have about uh, a minute. So quickly uh, wrap okay, it up. Thanks, Maureen. Great. So Senator Amy Klobuchar, she's a Democrat from Minnesota. She told the story of a mom's effort to manage social media. And she said, this mom said to me, it's like the kitchen sink is running, the sink is overflowing, and I'm out there with a mop, unmopping up all the flood. And this is my message to parents, turn off the faucet. Yep. Put down the mop because you can't manage all the fallout. Turn off the faucet. Your kids don't need this stuff. Give them an alternate dumb phone, hang with other parents, collude in a conspiracy for the good. Amen. And as you are a great example, your kids did not just survive, but they thrived, which is huge. Great advice, Maureen. Thanks so much. Maureen, Senior Fellow with the Catholic Association. Terrific article, op-ed piece. Posted on Newsweek again. We'll give you the link. Parents, here's how we can protect kids from the dangers of smartphones. We'll be right back. Joan Lewis, live from Rome, when we come back.
on a Wednesday. back Catholic Connection wrapping up a Wednesday as we always do with the one the only Jones Rome Joan Lewis my dear friend from Roma and of course always check out her great page uh, jonesrome.wordpress.com her blog is beautiful she's not only a great writer and reporter but a wonderful photographer as well bringing you all of what she knows and loves about her Roma Jones Rome Joni kind of quiet right now because the Pope and the Curie are on retreat so no big news but it's interesting. We sometimes I think we forget about the importance of retreats, especially for those who who run the church. Right. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yes, um, you're right. It has been quiet. The, the Vatican News website has articles and stuff, but if you click on Pope, you won't find anything after Sunday, and uh, at, you know at the Angelus. But I think that a, any of us, uh, any of our listeners who have ever been on a retreat, know the value. I have not been on one in. In, in, in quite some time, but um, I just know how physically, mentally, spiritually refreshed I feel after mm-hmm. a retreat. Uh, I mean, I've been on, you know, three- and, and four-day retreats. EWTN recently had one, and we could follow the links online. You know, it was a, it was a one-day treat, retreat, but as long as you're at the retreat all day and not doing something between, you know, the the first address by the retreat master and the second or third, um, if you're in a chapel and praying or going to confession or just walking. I remember one time, uh, maybe the first or second retreat I'd ever been on, just spending time by myself in the um, a garden in this place. It was a very, very big garden. And, you know, you say the rosary, you, you reflect on what you've just heard in one of the retreat master's talks. And, of course, the whole thing becomes impactful when you have a wonderful retreat master. Right. And someone, you know, you want to be riveted by what that person is saying. And um, and that that's the first step, really. But um, sometimes they may not be that dynamic a person or personality, let's say charismatic, um, but the content has you riveted, and that certainly is what counts. And um, so the Pope, but what's unusual about this year is that uh, the Pope and the ranking members of the Roman Curia, Cardinals living in Rome, etc., usually total about 60 or 65 people uh-huh. that participate in these um, retreats. And uh, Francis in 2014 felt that they should start having these gatherings not in this Redemptorist Monster Chapel in the Vatican, but outside the city, because, you know, he discovered that too often between Lecture 1 and Lecture 2, people were going back to their office, they were working, they were receiving visitors, etc. So he said, well, let's go outside of Rome, because then you're there for, you know, five nights and, and six days or something, and and all you have is a garden to walk in and a chapel to pray in, and and then you're together at meals, etc., etc. So... So he started that um, in 2014, and then in 2020, the, actually was the last time that everybody was together outside of Rome at this retreat retreat center in Narice. Uh but the Pope himself had a very, very bad cold that year, so everybody else was in Arice, he was not, but he was able to follow the retreat, I guess, you know, some way online or something. So, so that was 20 that they were together, but then 21, 22 with COVID, uh, they did not gather in a, uh, in one place together. And then last year, I don't recall a reason being given, but last year and this year, the Pope announced that everybody would be taking private personal, uh, retreats. I don't mm-hmm. know how a Cardinal Archbishop does that. Do they literally go to a convent outside right. of Rome and, and, you know, have their own retreat master, but, I, I know many of them do actually stay in Rome. So it's been four years now that they've not gathered um, as a group uh, in Arice. But what's really interesting to me, I, I will be doing a special on retreats on my weekend radio show, and um, I go all the way back in that special 
to when retreats actually began. It was 95 years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. um, Yeah. Yeah. Pope Pius XI, he was in December to mark, uh, 1929, to mark the 50th anniversary of his ordination. He published an encyclical on the promotion of spiritual exercises, announcing that he would, he was going to arrange to hold them every year in the Vatican. And then up until Paul VI, they were held during the first week in Advent, and then now, of course, take place the first full week in, in Lent. So um, we expect people, uh, we expect uh, the, whole, the retreat is supposed to end however everybody is arranging it. It's supposed to end Friday afternoon. And so the Vatican said probably the next time publicly we are expected to see the Pope would be at the Angelus on Sunday. Mm. You know, okay. and that doesn't mean he probably has a whole bunch of audiences all lined up for Saturday already. Mm-hmm. But, you know, private ones and groups and things like that. So we shall see. Well, it's interesting. Didn't uh, Cantola Mesa used to do a lot of the retreats, right, for, for, for the whole group? Well, he does. and he, uh, Well, there were usually the popes chose different ones every year. Okay. And in fact, I probably can't find it now just because I want to show you, um, the retreat, the history of retreats that I'll be talking about, I mentioned some of the retreat masters that were named, uh, the man who eventually became... Uh, uh, Pope John Paul was a retreat master at one point, Cardinal Wojtyla, and um, the current Cardinal Vicar of Rome has been a retreat master for Pope Francis, as a matter of fact. I've uh, forgotten the year of that, but he was, he was on the agenda. But the papal preacher who preaches all the Advent sermons, right, right, Father sermons yeah. and the Lenten, that's Father Cantalamessa. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, if you go online, there's a story about the papal preacher being on media. So if you go to, but right now it's only in Spanish and, a, and Italian. So, so he's on, if you went to the Vatican's um, X site, you know, formerly Twitter, you, you go to at Pontifex, no, not Pontifex, I don't remember what it is, but it's not in English right now. It's in Italian and and Spanish, so you have two minutes once a week there featuring Father Cantalamessa on these on the Vatican social media websites. But again, only in two languages. So, but to, you know, to show the importance of it. Yeah. Sure. Do we know who is yeah. giving the Pope his personal private retreat? You have an inside scoop on that, or no? Or is he just spending time by himself? Do you know? I, um, I don't. They did not mention that, and yeah. they did not mention it last year either, as far as I recall. Because yeah. when they've had it as a group with the cardinals and everybody, um, on the very last day there will be a final mass in the morning and then a, uh, a retreat talk, and then the Pope usually gets up and, and thanks the retreat master. So, um, uh, the, you know, persons who very often might be Father or Monsignor and go on to become a Cardinal. So right. that's always right. interesting. But, um, you know, or is is the Pope, how how is he doing it? Is there a retreat master? Is he spending his time in prayer right. Uh, right. and reading? And, and some, so we don't know all of those um, specifics. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll tell us. Uh, he simply said Sunday at the Angelus that he himself would, you know, be going on retreat, so would everybody else, but just not together. Yeah. And... Um, We already knew this in January. He said January 16th he announced that he had asked everybody in the Curia to spend private time in prayer and and not to spend time in the office, (laughs) you know. So. Yeah, well, we had when he had the the retreats originally. I mean, the location is so beautiful. I mean, the Alban Hills, southwest of Rome, that area. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't visit; they're not aware of it. But that's just so pretty. It's such a pretty yeah. area. No, absolutely wonderful, and but that's the kind of thing you need to have be more conducive to listening to someone talk or to just reflecting. If you walk in a garden area or something, right? Uh, just reflecting on the words that the retreat master, you know, might have given, and um, what they did in the past when they gathered as a group. Uh, outside of Rome in Aricia, the there was always a theme too for the particular retreat, right. and, and so we always knew that. And there'd be a a different title each day for 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 the different talks. So um, 
I don't know why. I mean, because there's no COVID, you know, reason right. to do not be together as a group. But um, uh, who knows? So things so, pick up then again over the weekend. He'll be the retreat ends on Friday afternoon, and yeah. then uh, he's back to a regular schedule somewhat. Oh yeah, sure. You'll probably see a whole bunch of audiences on Saturday, and um, you know, I think of the Pope's quiet time. You know, with so many health issues that he's had, it's it's probably good that there's a week without receiving visitors and, um, you know, and having a lot of different audiences because there was, you know, no general audience today because all those appointments are suspended. So that's probably good for him, too. Although, knowing the Holy Father, he probably will be spending some time, you know, working on future documents. And right. Maybe even something for the Synod or whatever. But it will surely be church related. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you before yeah. we let you go, we have about uh, three minutes left. I was wondering how the developments are going in terms of, you know, with my Tease Italy, I, I do itineraries and work with people on, on going over to, to Italy. And, and when we were there for our last trip in November, it was just so, so busy and so crowded. And, and I know there's a lot of construction going on in addition to more people coming to Italy because the Holy Land, yeah. the pilgrimages are not possible yet. What's it like traffic-wise and the construction, especially around the Vatican along the Via della Conciliazione, because I know there's a lot of work being done there? Well, I mean, there's a lot of rerouting done. Uh, a street that once went north now goes south, and you can't imagine how that changed things. Right. Or right. east and now goes west or something. Um, so it took a while for people to get adjusted to all the changes. However, the uh, people have adjusted well, might not be happy and can't wait for the Jubilee to happen. But um, basically, there's still an amazing number of tourists, though. I was in mm-hmm. the square. I was in Pius XI Square on Monday uh, doing my, my piece for, um, uh, for At Home with Jim and Joy. And Teresa, the line to get into the facility, two and three people deep, was three quarters of the way around the square. I know. I mean, this is February. I know. know. So, and February, so it, for people who don't know, it, is usually the off season, right? The season doesn't yeah. really pick up, January, or at least, February. yeah, until right around Easter time, and then it's then it's crazy and, and doesn't slow down until, or supposedly until October and November. But we even found last year, Joan that Rome was really, really crowded, and this was in October and November. So I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are a lot of pilgrims who maybe they also had Italy on their on their travel list, but they were planning on going to a pilgrimage to Israel, and this is what the guides told us, that they're seeing a, a bigger influx because of the opportunity to go to the Holy Land is not available. We don't know when that's going to be available again. That would be some of it, but to be honest, people that I've uh, either talked to or I talked to restaurant people who talked to pilgrims, it was just this pent-up, certainly for Americans. Right, heard, for, from COVID. I heard yep. a lot more mm-hmm. English last year, but I heard a lot, even a lot more American English this year. People have just been pent-up. They felt good. Last year was good. This year was good. You know, no COVID restrictions and masks and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think what I read about a month or two ago was we had 32 million people this year, yep. Italy, you know, yep. not this year, 2023. So uh, that's a lot of people, and they're yeah. expecting 35-plus million for the Jubilee year beginning at the end of December, of course. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you'll be there, and as always, you always join our groups. It's so much fun to have you with us. And we've got, of course, the Wine and Shrine coming up in October with Kelly Walquist. Uh, Kelly and I do that every year, and then we're also doing our La Dolce Fide and uh, looking forward to that. We're going to, for La Dolce Fide, we're going to the Amalfi Coast and then over to Puglia. So we're going east, west coast and east coast of Italy. Oh, so. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then beyond uh, Padre Pio, we're going down to Matera in Basilicata. And we're doing Albero Bello for the Trulli Houses and Bari and for St. Nicholas. And it's going to be great. So we are getting a little bit away from, from the maddening crowds in, in Rome for a while. But, again, people have the opportunity, if they so choose, to go to Rome. Joni, yeah. always suggest that people go to your amazing, amazing blog, which is so informative, jonesrome.wordpress.com. And don't forget to see her great reports each week at home with Jim and Joy right here on EWTN. We'll be right back, wrapping up a Wednesday morning. Stay tuned. In Michigan, you are never more than six miles away from a body of water. Shouldn't your kids know how to swim? Big Blue Swim School will give your children the skills they need to keep them safe in the water. 
Locally owned, Big Blue Swim School is on West Eisenhower Parkway in Ann Arbor, just down from Whole Foods. Stop in or visit BigBlueSwimSchool.com. Register by March 17th to get 60% off your first four lessons when you mention Ave Maria Radio. Every woman deserves specialized health care. At Arbor Women Health, our team of compassionate professionals listen to our patients and want to understand what they're going through. They serve everyone from teen girls to seniors. Our faith-based clinicians specialize in obstetrics, gynecology, fertility awareness and crisis, or unexpected pregnancies. Call 734-930-4020 or visit arborwomenhealth.org. Arbor Women, faith-inspired, dignity-affirming health care. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Thanks for tuning in every day to EWTN Radio. We so appreciate your listenership. Again, this program co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. Please check us both out online, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. We will post the links to the article that uh, Maureen wrote, the op-ed piece in Newsweek about smartphones and children. You can find that at the archive Catholic Connection Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. Looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. So much to discuss and all responding to all different stories. And so don't have the rundown yet, but we like to respond to the news that's going on of the day. So just tune in and you never know what you're going to hear. But we will always keep you connected to the Catholic faith. Have a great day. Talk to you on a Thursday. Ciao, ciao. A domani. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.